Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. And here it is. Yeah, another episode of the podcast, ready to rock and roll. I'm coming at you live from Studio B in the coronavirus bunker. Cheshire Impact headquarters, and I am stoked to introduce my guest today. He is someone that I have known for a while, someone I get to work with. He is a leader of many things, a marketing leader, a sales leader. He actually leads our sales team here at Cheshire Impact. But no, don't, don't think he's just a sales guy. He will fool you. He's got degrees in marketing. He's a certified Pardot specialist in all things marketing automation, senior director of sales at Cheshire Impact. Logan Childs, welcome, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hey, man, the theme is just aligning marketing, aligning sales, and throwing in technology just for bonus measure. So I want to pass you an imaginary Thor's hammer because the real one's back at the office. Um, take that hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. You want to set the record straight. Yeah. So I, I was going back and forth with this, and I, I have two different ones that I want to address. Um, 
the first one being dress for success. Uh, you know, everybody always told you to, to wear a suit and tie and you're going to be more successful. I, I feel like that's a myth that we can smash right away. Yeah. I mean, what, where do people think you got to wear a suit and a tie? You got to be dressed like IBM to sell something or what's the, I, I feel like the perception is if you dress like you're ready to go about the business and wear a suit and tie, look professional, you're going to be more successful. I, I had a job probably seven or eight years ago now where I didn't see anybody. I saw three people in the office total, but the dress code was business. So I wore a button down. I wore slacks. I wore dress shoes. Uh, and nobody ever saw me. And her logic was, if you dress like a professional, you'll perform like a professional. Uh, I just don't feel that's true. I, I've, I've outperformed myself uh, a thousand times since I've shifted to hoodie and t-shirts. Uh, it's just, it's more comfortable. I have more confidence in myself. Uh, I don't feel like I'm in this chokehold with my tie on where I can't be myself. Right? I feel like confidence comes from who you are and hoodie and t-shirt is who I am. Wearing a hat is who I am. Uh, having messy hair is who I am. And I'm really confident about that. And it's, it, it's worked and it's worked tenfold from what, you know, my days as suit and tie guy were. Yeah. Nobody told Einstein he had to comb his hair, right? Or maybe they did. Maybe there's some department <laughs> chair who was like, uh, Einstein, you know, your look is not exactly in time with the decade here. We need you to slick that hair back. And, um, and, but of course he he wore he did wear a tie. But I hear you, right? That the constrictingness just it's just not you. You want to feel in your element. You want to feel able to just be yourself. Right. Yeah. And there was there was that phase there where uh, Zuckerberg was wearing the the t-shirt and pants, and you wear your Mountain Dew t-shirt all yeah. the time, right? Take the thought out of it. Um, I still think that fits back into what you're comfortable with, right? You are comfortable in your Mountain Dew t-shirt. Zuckerberg's comfortable in his gray t-shirt. He doesn't have to think about it. But that's who he is. That's who you are. Um, and it just builds your confidence. So when you are talking to people, you're not worried about uh, things choking me or I'm sweating and I'm uncomfortable. That's yeah, so life. true. That is that, that capsule wardrobe, right? Um, I still use those Mountain Dew. I have like 10 of them. I have to tell everyone that because they're like, uh, dude, is that the same shirt you wore yesterday? And see, now I only wear them to the gym. <laughs> so like Mountain Dew t-shirts every day at the gym. People are like, whoa, man you wear the same stinky shirt every day. Like, no, no, no. I got 10 of these. It's all good. I do laundry. Trust me. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It takes the thought process out of things. There's a reason Steve Jobs was like turtlenecks and jeans. You know, he was like, I got important decisions to make the iPhone or the iPad. What do I do next? Right. Can't be thinking about what kind of trendy shirt to wear to the office. It's the, it's the Doug and Bart Simpson logic to dressing, right? You got a closet full of the exact same outfit. Don't put that's any true. Into it. That's true. They did have the same, the same shirt on every time. Cartoons always wear the same shirt. Like Homer Simpson never wore any long sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine, right? Hey guys, uh, this week we need uh, Homer to wear the long sleeve. It's like, oh no! Like all their sketches are out the window. <laughs> they got to redo yeah. everything or like paint paint sleeves onto them. Yep. Man, man. So be comfortable, huh? Like, be, you know, because we, we, somebody else had smashed the myth, the idea of just you know. It's okay to swear in the office. And I like this myth because it's like, hey, wear what you want to wear, especially as we get to being more and more remote cultures um, or remote teams like ours. You know, you could dress up and it'd be just for yourself. So the whole point is to dress, you know, what, what's going to get you to 100%. Exactly. Yeah. I guess there's someone out there that like, 
you know, they would throw on a three-piece suit and a vest and they feel comfortable. And, and if that's what you're comfortable in, then great, right? Like Barney yeah. from uh, How I Met Your Mother. He wore a suit because he liked wearing a suit. Yeah. I wear a hoodie because I like wearing a hoodie. Yeah, we should get someone on the team that just likes wearing suits every day. That'll be fun to see him wearing like a top hat, <laughs> logging into the Zoom meeting. Hey, uh, top of the morning to you. Someone yeah. from England. We got to get that. We got to get someone from England on the team. British people like the three-piece suit. Do they? I, I just assume they do. Yeah. From the, from the storybooks. <laughs> uh, but I chat with Lucy the other day on the podcast, proper Brit. And, uh, and yeah, no, no three-piece suit. So she was pretty cool, though. Um, awesome, man. So this is cool. Uh, smash this myth. Be comfortable. Wear what you want to wear. Um, anything else? What else do you want to smash? Yeah, so myth number two, and this is the one that aligns to the topic for today, uh, is that sales can survive on their own. Uh, you know, when businesses start up, they start with a product and a salesperson. Salesperson, go out, go out, go out, be busy, be busy, be busy. Um, it can be successful. And it was probably a lot more successful back in the day when, you know, face-to-face -face was the only way to get your message across. Um, nowadays, it's just not feasible. It, yeah. it won't scale fast enough. Yeah. It it's like the old school model again, like wearing the old school tie. And then at the same time, that old school model, like, yeah, I, all I need is a salesperson and I'm, someone to build the product and I can make that happen. So th there's still, even if there isn't a marketing person, that function still exists. So is then sales just wearing like several hats? Yeah. What you see a lot nowadays, right? You get the sales and marketing director, VP of sales and marketing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's got to be thought leadership. There's got to be brand awareness. Salespeople typically don't come up with that thought leadership stuff, right? Um, if you're that hybrid role, you better focus on your messaging so that you can push the value of what you do and what your product is or what your service offers. Got it. So even if, even if you don't have that formal role there, you still need that brand. You still need that thought leadership. What does that do for sales? How does that, how does that empower you to do your job better? Increases tenfold. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we work off of the Challenger sales model. Um, I like the first book. I really like the Challenger customer. Challenger uh, customer, okay. The idea of commercial insight plays perfectly with what we do and what I believe as a sales leader, right? You can't go out and push product and you just become a pushy sales guy. You're going to be a used car salesman saying, hey, you need this RAV4 uh, for whatever reason. No reason, right? You're just pushing a product mm. where commercial insight educates people. Right. The idea that they talk about is, is not just saying, hey, our product's great. Our product's great. Do our product. It's, hey, you have a problem. Here's the problem. Here's the things that people are incur incurring with the problem. Here's how you should address it. Then by the time that lead becomes marketing qualified and passed to your sales team, your sales team just reestablishes the value that you do as a business. Hey, we've identified your problem. We've identified your issues. We know that there's a solution. Did you know that our services offer that solution to solve your problem? I like that. Identify the problems and the, and the, the issues, be able to address those. You mentioned the challenger sale versus the challenger customer. I know two good books. And um, what, what's your take? If you were to, you know, like a synopsis or on the first one versus the second one, and then it sounds like your preferences for that second book. Yeah. The, the challenger sales is about identifying the right people who are going to help you increase your value as a salesperson, right? Who is your mobilizer? Who's going to get you to the right people who are going to make a decision? It's really about you as an individual thinking about the, the processes and the steps that you need to go through 
to build that deal, to build that opportunity for you. Um, I really like the challenger customer and it, it ties in perfectly with what we do at Cheshire Impact because we focus on the thought leadership side. How do we tie all of our marketing efforts with our sales efforts so that it's a unified revenue solution versus mm. these siloed groups, which the challenger customer really highlights that. And if you can educate people to the point where they're basically raising their hand to say, I need to talk to you because I know you have a solution, your sales cycle is going to go way faster. You're not going to have to go back and forth, back and forth on, on what value we're adding. You right. know the value from your education phase. Makes sense, right? Like, hey, let's work with you, Treasure Impact. We read that book. <laughs> right. Uh, I've yeah. people all the time saying, oh, I read Casey's book. I love oh, it. Cool. Let's talk to you. Um, it, it's picked up pretty quickly how many times I've heard that too. I mean, your book's been out for since January. Yeah. And within two months, I've heard, read the book, love it, want to talk to you guys about what you can do and what wow. you can help us with. That's cool. Uh, see, this is good. I'm glad we're having this talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no offense. I, I, I doubted the value of the book, right? But yeah, uh, it, sure. it, is, it is that thought leadership stuff. And it is, it's something that people can educate themselves on. And it's the concepts that we talk about every day. Yeah. It's the Cheshire Success Index, right? Hit these pieces before you jump to the, the big wow factor of what marketing automation can do for you. Get your foundation set, right? Focus on your strategy and process. And then all of the return is going to start showing itself. Right. What's the, what's say like number one or the top three things you want from marketing? And you mentioned a couple of them, but like, I like the idea that sales needs marketing, marketing needs sales. So like, as you're looking at a marketer, you could prioritize the things that they do or they do to help you. What, what comes to mind? Yeah. Um, this is going to be very cliche and it, it's <laughs> Man, this show it, is all about cheese. Cause you know what? <laughs> cheese is usually true you know when something's cheesy it's usually probably been true for decades yeah i mean we we talk about it in every implementation or even any support call that we go into right it's the idea of capture nurture automate mm. um, i want the best qualified marketing lead what happens nowadays is that everybody just passes anybody anybody who fills out a form anybody who's got a name or an email address you're a qualified lead for us uh, which isn't the case, right? And we had that conversation right. yesterday about yep. asking the job title question, asking what industry you're in, asking how big your marketing team is. I want to get a better qualified lead passed over. And yeah. that's all done through capture. The more information we have about that individual, the less I as the salesperson or my team has to go through and say, mm. what's your job title? Do you have a decision maker involved? Is this a real project, right? Filtering out if it's a real project or not is time consuming. Yeah. Um, and luckily, we don't have to deal with that here anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shame us as a company. But when I first started five years ago, our marketing efforts were, were very few and far between. Sure. Like we were focused on the, the do, do, do because we had business. Yeah. Um, and you did a great job of marketing yourself to the Salesforce community that they knew you and that thought leadership was still there. But now that we've added a full marketing team and you're driving mm -hmm. our marketing efforts, the quality of lead that comes over is, is above and beyond what it was before. And it's not God. just reliant on that Salesforce AE channel. We're building pieces of content that people are reaching out for. The Hardcore Marketing Show is a great resource mm. for us. Yep. Hard Out Life Hacks is a great resource for us. I mean, just so many different pieces that are driving that marketing qualified lead, which has got a lot more detail for me nowadays than it did before. I like that. This is cool because this episode is almost like, you know, 
how Chesh does sales. So kind of like, you know, how does Pardot do Pardot? You know, how does Chesh do sales and behind the scenes and like an interview with Logan, you know, who's running the, running the show here. So this is, this is cool. Good, good insights. So the capture, nurture, automate, the, the qualified lead people that get to you and they know what we do. They, they already know the game and they're asking you, I think we saw that email the other day, like, I'm trying to give you money, please take my money. Um, that, that's like a qualified lead right there. That's someone right. who wants to talk and I'm sure sales is happy to reach out to those. <laughs> kind of yeah, those are, those are quick ones, but I mean, it, it makes a huge difference. Right. And the quality of life becomes a better thing, right? People yeah. that are having a good quality lead have a better quality life because they're making more money. Right. Right, right. So is that capture, nurture, automate? The idea, those are the, those are the top three things you're thinking? Those are, you those really are my top three. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, like, like I said, it feels it's like you cheesy. read that in a book somewhere. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's cheesy, but it, it's, it's real and it's legit. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What do you think um, marketing needs from sales? You know, if you were to flip it around. Yeah. Um, which ties into the first topic of our CSI, right? It's about that segmentation. So as I'm having conversations with my marketing qualified lead, I need to make sure that I'm updating my CRM so that marketing knows where they stand from a qualified perspective, a data perspective, right? If I, if I put that they are only interested in talking Pardot or only interested in talking Salesforce, I put that as a field so that marketing can pull that information back and yeah. use that in the journey that they've Right. So the nurture part is we're going to pull it back to the top three things. The nurture is not just nurture until we get a marketing qualified lead. It's nurture throughout because if they're yeah, not yeah. sales ready, I want to push them back because I don't want to follow up with them in six months and say, Hey, Casey, uh, I spoke to you six months ago. Anything changed, right? It yeah, it's no value to your day. You're just like, ah, oh, damn, this guy again. Why does he keep calling? Uh, another sales guy. Ah. <laughs> uh, but if I can call you and say, Hey, Casey, saw you had the chance to look at the white paper. Is that relevant to you? Is that where you sit today? Let's talk right. about it. And you'll eventually raise your hand again anyway if we're continuing that thought message, thought leadership message. Right. I don't need to reach out. You're going to reach out when it's time. Wow. Cool. I like that. You hear that sales? Update those fields because marketing can use that to, to better nurture. That, that makes sense. It's like a two-way street back and oh, forth. Yeah. That's cool. We get, a, we get a lot of clients that are, are transactional. Right. And so mm. they've got deal going and going and going. Yeah. Um, I always tell them like you need to be looking for that opportunity status, opportunity stage, so that when you've got a prospect that's ready to sign your contract, the last email that they get is not, hey, we're offering 25% off by today, mm. you'll save money. Your sales team's gonna hate you if that happens. Right. You know, I think it was actually Zoom. It was, it was someone that that happened. Poor Zoom. I mean, we love them as we're on them right now as an app. But uh, pretty sure we were about to buy, and we kind of negotiated things down. We we're about to sign, and I got an email from Zoom Marketing saying something like twenty five or thirty percent off some deal. And then I just forwarded that to the rep and was like, "I want this too." Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know the guy's like, "Yeah, marketing, I hate you. Don't do that." You're wrecking yeah. the deal. You're, you should be sensitive to where that deal is and that opportunity. Now, if that rep hadn't updated the opportunity status to show that this, this Casey Cheshire and Cheshire Impact, they're about to buy, put them on radio silence or something. Don't send them fresh deals. Right. Um, if he hadn't done that, that'd be on him. But either way, they, they got to talk. They got to iron things out so they don't step on each other's toes. Oh, yeah. Well, when we talk about segmentation, everybody thinks it's about who I'm sending this message to, right? Segmentation is all about Good who point. I'm not sending this to. 
So I need to be able to add a suppression list to this journey. If I don't, then again, you're getting 25% more than you already negotiated. I I love that. Can you say that again? Segmentate. It's like not just for who it's for, but it's who. That's who you're suppressing, yeah. Um, I I talk about this constantly just because I don't want messaging going out to irrelevant people, Yeah. right? When everybody thinks about buyer profiles and segmentation and using dynamic lists, it's okay, who do we want to send this message to? But that's not always the case. It's who do we not want to send this message to? Because somebody that's in your customer profile might meet all that criteria in your dynamic list. But if they're not relevant for that message why send it to them yeah you know we give so much credence to who to send to even in pardot you know the 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 include the what list do we want to send to oh nine different lists great but you're right the the who do we not want to send to who can we you know exclude who can we suppress from this list can have just as much value keep your message that has no relevance to someone away from the the wrong people that's cool exactly we probably should get in more of that mindset. I think sometimes in marketing, we're always like the bigger, the number of people we've sent to the better, you know, oh, I sent to a million today. It's like, okay, yeah. maybe you should have sent to 900,000 or 90. And that would have had the same results. And instead of pissing off a hundred thousand people, you just, you were more targeted, you know? Yeah. Well, and I always use your story about like your, your marketing manager job where your, your boss said, all right, what'd you do this month? And he said, we sent a million emails. Yeah. I said, okay, go and send 2 million emails. Right. What value does that really bring? Zero. It's just, it's just putting more likely that people are going to put you in your spam folder and then you'll never hear from them. Um, so targeting messages is huge. Make it relevant, make it personable. Um, one of my, one of my last jobs, I won't, I won't throw their name out. We sent the same white paper over and over and over again to the same list and the same really? list the same expanded. people same white paper oh, it didn't God. ever change so it drove me crazy i'm like all right you got to stop sending this because now people are just blocking us we're out <laughs> of we're out of mind but we spent a ton of money on building this case study through a, a third-party agency and it had to be out right it had to get pushed but they didn't think about the people that were at different stages that it was relevant yeah. it was just a big batch of blast which obviously takes away the entire approach of what marketing automation should be doing for you. Yeah, man, I could see that. They, they invested some money, you know, half their marketing budget into one document. And they're like, well, we got to get our ROI on it. Let's send it to as many people over and over again until you read this thing. Damn it. If you don't read this, we're going (laughs) to send it to you next week. We can tell too. We have technology. Uh, this is going to jump ahead and tell you a little bit about me as a, as a person. But when I was a kid, I always had this idea, like, why don't I just send out a mailer that says, give me $1. I send it to 5 million people. If a million people give me $1, I have a million dollars. Like that's the same logic, but it doesn't yeah. work because nobody really cares about your message, right? right. Give me a dollar doesn't add any value to anything. So uh, it's the same approach with batch and blast email. Like you're you're going to get hurt more than you will benefit. Interesting. You get hurt more than you do the benefit. If you just blast it out there, that's probably right. It's probably right. If, if you're not, th- people don't think enough about the, the recipient, you know, it's like, it's a number on a spreadsheet somewhere. And you're like, okay, whatever. Let's blast this thing. You're like, okay, you just interrupted someone's day. Right. Well, it comes back to your boss, right? But your KPIs were how many emails did you send? How many of them got delivered? They're taking the same KPIs and saying, all right, well, we sent 2 million emails today. We need to send two and a half next week. 
Yeah, imagine I told him, well, last year, last month we sent a million. This month we only sent 49,000. He'd be like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? You're not doing your job, you know? And maybe it was the right 49,000. So it's tough. You got to get the whole organization on board with this sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I also talk a lot with our clients about kind of moving out of the standard KPI thoughts. Your mm. KPIs are what's justifying your job, right? But when it comes down to it and, you know, times like these when marketing is possibly the first ones to get cut because it's overhead and you're sure. worried about the, the economy and depressions or whatever. Um, if you can justify re revenue as a marketer, why would we get rid of you? Right. Marketing generated $2 million last year. Okay, cool. Let's keep marketing. Let's cut our sales staff a little bit. Uh, don't take that as word anyway. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> don't cut the sales staff. Keep the sales staff where they yeah. are. You know, definitely not sales or marketing for sure. No. We're, we're generating revenue here. Generating people. revenue, exactly. And that's the that's the approach. You need to generate revenue, and if you've got these siloed KPIs that are only focused on your marketing metrics or on your sales metrics, and you're not working as a team, then you're you're missing that big point of where can our extra revenue be coming from? Yeah, for sure, totally true. Do you? So I know we're talking marketing automation here too. Do you remember when you first started using it? When you first bumped into? I do. I yeah. do. And I get reminded of it almost every day. Uh, <laughs> uh, so my first experience with marketing automation was at uh, Veeam Software. Okay. I was a, an SDR, BDR, like entry level salesperson right out of college, had no experience. Um, we used Pardot, actually. Uh, my first go around, we used Pardot. And I was getting just a, a daily notification. We yeah. didn't have any integration into Salesforce. It was just Hey, here's oh, really? your hot leads. Yeah, we were, oh, wow. we were pretty basic with it. But it was just a daily notification. Hey, here's your leads that have done something on your website or filled out a form. Yeah. And we had to go and push those into the CRM and use them from there. Um, but I, I knew immediately, all right, cool. I'm going to focus on the people that have actually done something that's, that's real, right? Right. Downloading a white paper, it doesn't really help. Um, somebody that requested pricing or a demo or attended an event, like that was the topics that I wanted to focus on. And my job was to set a meeting, right? Set a meeting for the account executives so that they could be the sales guy and they could close the deal. But I had enough information that I could start to build a case for those individuals, right? I started to build the need and the interest. And then when I passed it over to my account executives, they were just closing them left and right. Uh, we, we had the highest number in the, in the company and we achieved our highest number. And my sales guys had to do way less than probably what they were expecting. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you got yeah. a chance to see it live in action from the sales side. From the start too, which was great. Um, cool. Unfortunately, uh, about a year and a half in, Marketo came out and they decided that, all right, we, we need to make a switch. Um, so this is where I kind of hear my, my story all the time. Oh no, that company switched to Marketo? We switched to Marketo. Oh, gross. Like the, the insights, the best bets, they were still good. But as an SDR, I was looking through burning through calls, right? I had 150 calls that I hit yep. every day. Um, so as I was going through, I just call, call, call because scores would be really high. Yep. Uh, what I hadn't taken in consideration is they didn't have any buying power. So when I got to mm. Pardot and I started being an account executive at Pardot and you know Adam Blitzer and Derek Grant explained to me the value of what score and grade can do for you and how it separates yeah. the person's interest versus your interest in them that changed my life um and when i started doing my demos i always told this story about when we switched to marketo at veeam 
I went into this as, all right, this person has a high score. They're going to be a good lead for me, right? They should buy. Uh, the story that I told in my demos, and this is, I hear it over and over again. Yeah. Hard on AE still use my story, which is kind of funny. Ah, uh, use your story. That's <laughs> it's, funny. It's weird to be on that call when you're like, I know this story. Uh, <laughs> Some guy with a beard back in the day. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I... Uh, I got this lead that had a score and the score was 666. So my oh. idea as a, as a smart ass is, Oh, this is bad. Yeah. I, I stood up on the, on the sales floor. I'm like, I got a lead 666. Like <laughs> this is just downhill. I know it's going to be bad. I called that guy for six months and every really? time I called him, I'd follow up with an email and every time I'd email him, his score would go up because he'd download the white paper. He'd open the email. He'd go back to our website. Six months, I did the same process, and I started to space it out. But as an SDR, my mind is, all right, every time I send him something, he's still interested. Might as well keep pushing it. Right. Um, he called me back, and he's like, dude, you got to stop calling me. It's like, you've called me for six months, like, every week. Like, I'm not going to buy anything from you. What it turns out is that he was a student, and he had an internship there. So he was no, just doing no. research on the company, um, and it, it wasted so much of my time. So score and grade marketing it's a huge huge value if you can build a true grading model from yeah. the get-go let your salespeople wow. know who's coming over let them know that they're a good qualified lead um, and this ties back to our our mql situation right the more information we know about these people the better we can target them the better quality of lead will get passed over yeah wow you know i, I think a lot of people are listening to that story thinking like Oh, maybe, you know, like, oh, six months later, it worked. No, that's not the moral of the story. Moral story is he was right. It was an omen. <laughs> this was going to be a bad lead. <laughs> it was a bad lead. So yeah. next time you see a lead with a, a lead score of 666, don't call him. Just, <laughs> just send him back to marketing. Marketing should <laughs> probably put an automation to say if score equals 666, bump it up five points. <laughs> right, right. Bump it up, bump it down. Just don't yeah, send just it. Just don't six. send that one over. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not skip a, that floor, like skip the thirteenth floor kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not a suspicious or conspiracy type person at all. Yeah, but you know the smart ass joke on it, and it came true. It's like, oh man, this is just not. It's like you my, walked into it, but it makes for a great months. story. It does make so for a great. Do story. the reps you listen to every now and then? Do you hear them say like six 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 on it? Oh yeah, they they tell the exact <laughs> same story. Uh, so I'm like, I know this story. Like, it's like it's like lore. It's like tradition. It's been passed down from the ages. Yeah. Well, when we first got acquired, there wasn't enough offices at Salesforce and the Atlanta office to do individual meeting rooms every time you needed one. Right. And so I just do my demos at the desk. <laughs> <laughs> and I got hushed probably 15 to 20 times. You're being too loud. Shh, we can't hear. We can't talk. Um, where, you know, what are you supposed to do? Sales floor, you want it loud. You want to hear. Yeah. Um, hi, yeah. hi, I'm, I'm calling to sell you some software. Right. What? I, I can, can you speak up? No, I can't speak up. I, I have to be quiet. I'm on but the it sales also floor. Works, it also works as the, as the other side of it, right? Like if it's too loud, then you can't hear what that individual is talking True. about. Because we get that call like, hey, you want to buy a, a four-day vacation? We'll give you four years to use it. And it's super loud. And you're like, listen, I just don't have time to talk to you. Uh, call center. Call yeah. center. Yeah. Yeah, I got called by one of those the other day. I had a fake thing that said it was from New Hampshire, and I know it wasn't. Yeah, the auto dialers. Yeah, they, they've masked them so they're almost your phone number nowadays, too. I get 404-718 all the time. Really? I'm like, it's weird that they've got the first 
almost identical phone number. Well, if I saw that, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd pick up. I'd be like creeped. I answer creeped everything. Out. If you call me, I'll answer it. Well, as you should. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a deal, man. It could be that next six six six, though, too. You never, never know. know. Never know. Yeah, and everybody like the color ID now says nuisance likely or scam likely. Yeah, so I like answer that. Those. Um, but one nuisance likely was my kid's son, and it was a school nurse. So I answer everything. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, the it said nuisance likely, and it was a school nurse. Likely. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I answer everything just in case. You just increased the connection rates for spam calls for everyone listening to this show. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> We're all gonna have to start picking up now. I suppose she'd leave a voicemail too if she if it was something. Yeah, if it was really important, they would leave a voicemail. Yeah, of course. I know that the calling tools can leave voicemails too. So, um, what? Any tips on aligning sales and marketing? Yeah, um, sit down. Right. When we first started here, we talked about the pizza party idea. Uh, sit down and talk to your salespeople. What is a good qualified lead for them? And what's a you pizza know? party for those who don't know? Yeah, so a pizza party is basically marketing. Go buy your sales team pizza and beer. Sit down with them in a conference room and really hash out what a qualified lead really is. When the pizza like and beer that. is just to incentivize them, right? Come yeah. and engage in this. Get them to show up, right? Get them to oh, show up. Okay, I'm pizza and beer. Okay. Yeah. But the idea is we want to understand who you want to be talking to. Because yeah. in the same situation where I was talking to a student, I didn't want to be talking to that guy. And if I could have known that ahead of time, I would have called him once, sent him three emails, and then called it a day. Yeah. Put him back into the nurturing. The one thing I can't do is change his job title. I can, I can educate him all day, but I can't change his buying power. So that's the type of stuff that you should be talking to with your sales team. Who do you want to be talking to? Who's the best lead for us? Who's that mobilizer? Challenger sales reference. Who's that mobilizer who's going to get you to the top of this deal? Yeah, I like that. And the emphasis on the who. There's a smart guy named Dan Sullivan who has this quote, who not how. You know, and I think we could all learn more from that emphasis of, you know, who, who do we want to be talking to? Don't worry about all your cool fangle-dangle technology. Focus on the who. And, and I love the idea of pizza and beer party. You're sitting down, you're saying, look, we could talk about all sorts of things today, but let's just, let's just align on who I actually want to talk to. Yep. I think it's a good point. Uh, it it kind of ties into the Sandler training model as well. Yeah. Uh, the last piece where you get to really a decision maker is personal. So there's three levels of pain that you go through, right? Okay. First one's technological. Technological. Uh, the second one's financial. So what's the problem? Why are you dealing with it today? Second one's how is it hurting you financially? The third one is how does it affect you personally? And that really ties back into the who, right? Once we know who and how it's affecting them personally, we're going to have a better chance at closing this deal because we understand their pain, we've addressed it, and it's on a personal level for them. Wow. So the, what's that, that first level? Uh, technology. Tech, technology. Yeah. What's You're the, like, okay, what's cool. the problem? Yeah. So this thing is broken, but that's not where you stop. Stop. It's good to know that they have something broken. Yep. But now what is it? How does it, how does that impact in your company? Exactly. Financially. And financially. Yeah. And then it's like, how does it impact you as a person? Yeah. And usually yeah. the, the people that we're talking to, right? Our mobilizer doesn't know how it affects them financially, right? They're not, they're not mm. in the day to day of the finances. So you usually ask them the gut. All right. Okay, cool gut feeling now how much money are you wasting how much money are you losing in this situation yeah. and then when it says okay well now that you're losing x amount of money what does that mean to you personally right and usually in that situation is oh, if we don't fix it i don't have a job here um, 
Which is that what those ROI calculators come out for the financial side? Or what, what's your take on those kind of things? Um, I think they're a marketing play. Um, okay. And I think they're good to estimate that financial impact, right? In case you don't know the math, here's the potential you don't know math. The math. It's probably yeah. super biased. Right. <laughs> and you might not get there. Like the, some of the calculators are super inflated, but it gives you an idea of what you could potentially be getting back. And right. if you're even missing a fraction of that, like if, if it's a 20% increase that they're promising me and mm -hmm. I can get five of it back, great. I've increased my value as a marketer or increased my value as a salesperson worth 5% more. Yeah. So it just helps the bottom dollar. You know, that the percent stuff is additive. You know, you save 1% here, 5% there, 4% here. You've got 10% all of a sudden. Yep. You didn't realize it. you didn't have to go for that big 10. You just got some little wins here and there. Yeah, goes back to our, our 2 million email conversation. Yeah, right? <laughs> you don't need 2 million emails to get that one deal in. Right. Literally, you could send that one email. You could if send one email, close a million-dollar deal, and be like, look what I did today. <laughs> right, but if I, if I send 2 million emails and only 1% opens it, but if I sell 49,000 emails and 10% opens it, true, increases my value. Yeah, that's true. Cool. Levels of pain, learning things every day, who not how, who then how. I like that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, what's got you excited these days? Because I know things are changing around a lot in marketing and sales and stuff's happening. Any, any buzz out there that you like? Anything you want to take a better look at? What's your, what's your take on the future? Yeah. Uh, most of my day is Salesforce and Pardot. So yeah. my, my things that I'm excited about are going to be Salesforce and Pardot. Got it. And it's really the integration of Pardot into the platform. I think that's a big move and it, it ties in exactly what we're talking about today, right? Sales and marketing alignment. So the more unified view I have on my prospects, contacts, clients, the easier it is for us to sell. Yeah. Um, you know, the Pardot Lightning app has just been a huge shift. It now puts everything inside of Sales Cloud for you. Yep. You've got one unified view. And eventually it's going to become even more integrated, which mm. that's the exciting thing, right? Everybody wants to get to multi-touch reporting. There's a lot of BI tools out. There's a lot of processes out. If you can get multi-touch reporting, you can now see the journey that those people have gone through. You don't have to take a shot in the dark at what might work. And you can push everybody. You know, if John bought because he went to a Google AdWords campaign, attended three events and received five emails, cool. Then I'm going to push Casey, Sarah, Steven all through that same path. Yeah. In anticipation that they're going to have the exact same result. Right. I figure what path is the right one, what, you know, for each buyer and, and make that more custom to their journey. That's, yeah. that's so true. But the only way you're going to get there is if you have all that data integrated in one spot. Yeah. That's a good point. You got to have a unified view into it. And then you can say, Hey, this worked, this didn't work. Let's cut these pieces out. Right. That, it's weird that that's what excites me as a salesperson, but, um, you know, if, if I can get a better qualified lead, again, since we've increased our marketing efforts and we're looking at the journeys that people go through, I don't have to have as deep, engaging conversations trying to figure out your BANT criteria, right? Do you have budget? Do you have authority? Do you have need? Like all that stuff is coming to me coming pre-qualified. Yeah. Wow. This is good stuff, man. Well, my question to you, I mean, we've worked together for a long time. Who are you? Like, take us back. Little Logan days, were you all, did you always know you're going to be a hustler, a sales leader, a marketeer? Like, did, did you know? Take us back early days. 
No, I, I mean, my mom always thought that I was going to be a salesperson. Yeah. Um, I always talked to the servers. Uh, like every time we'd go out to a restaurant, I'd always chit chat with everybody around and, you know, kind of tell them my ideas and my stories. So it was either storyteller or salesperson, I guess. They, they were probably like fully listening, trying to make sure they, they earned that tip, right? They're like, oh, that's a great story, little Or kid. they said, why is this seven-year-old <laughs> chatting at me? <laughs> right. Leave He's me alone, like, man. I got to go get these. I drinks. got eight other tables. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the case, but um, yeah, so I'm, I'm from small town idaho originally wow um which i think like literally called small town it's called soda springs idaho okay population the population on the sign said 3111 for the last 45 years um i think it's decreased actually but small town idaho where you know you went and played in the street at five i was walking around town without adult supervision um so I, i feel like that has a big footing in in who i am yeah demeanor personality you know the thing with idaho is there's not enough people in soda springs idaho to be mean to anyone because you know everybody if you're mean to them then you're mean to their whole family and now you've got (laughs) half the town pissed off oh no uh so from there i moved to new jersey which was so hold on that keeps you kind of in check though right like everyone's kind of like well look that's sally joe and married to so-and-so and so you just kind of you're just cool you're respectful for every respectful yeah like there's this level of okay you need to be polite and respectful to everybody uh but then my next statement is i moved to new jersey which is like the complete opposite and oh, nobody's no. friendly to anybody <laughs> <laughs> so i've got this like all right i can i can be assertive and aggressive and semi-distant but i still have this niceness about me that mm-hmm. that plays into my personality and who i am so when you first meet me, you're probably going to think, man, that guy's a jerk. Uh, <laughs> talk to me for five minutes and he, I know I did. Who I am. No, sure. <laughs> Every company I've ever worked for, they're like, man, when you first started, I thought you were so mean. I'm like, yeah, no, it's just the face. It's just my, my smile muscles don't work as well. So, <laughs> well, but like, so what was it like to go from Idaho to New Jersey? Uh, culture shock. Yeah, I can imagine. Complete culture shock. I, I mean, Again, small town Idaho, 2,000 people. Everybody looked like me. Everybody was related. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, a joke I always make is Soda Springs, Soda Springs has 2,000 people, but it's made up of six families. Um, so moving to New Jersey right. was complete shift. Uh, nobody looked like me. Everybody was different. Everybody had different things that they were brought up on, different cultures, different religions. Um, so complete culture shock. But and I was young. I adapted pretty quickly. And, yeah, you know, I, I learned to hold my own before it was too late. Right. And I'm sure you got a lot of, a lot of that edge, a lot of the edge you've been able to use in sales, that, that assertiveness, like you're saying, and ability to relate to different kinds of people, too. It's probably good to have both experiences. Or I don't oh, know. Yeah. Would you? I love my growing up. I, yeah. I, I feel like it was the optimal suit for me. Yeah. Because I, I did get that small town feel where I could go out and be a kid. But then I got that suburb of new york city mentality mm-hmm. of hey i'm gonna stand up for what i believe in i'm gonna right. be assertive uh when we first moved there my mom was driving and it took her 35 minutes to make a left turn just because she didn't have that assertiveness in oh, her no. to just push her away no through. one's gonna like, let you in either yeah. nobody's gonna let you in yeah <laughs> as a that's a funny story when i the first week that we were there we went to a movie and me as soda springs idaho kid I held the door for a lady 
and 35 people walked in. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in between, somebody's like, you're not from here, are you? Nope, I'm definitely not. Um, but no one was yeah. like, here, let me get that. Nobody. Yeah. Everybody just walked through. Um, wow, Jersey. What's yeah. up? I mean, you, you learn how to adapt, right? And you become, yeah. you become your own person. Right? I, I, now I'll hold the door for the people who deserve to hold the door. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll slide my way through. And you let it slam on the person <laughs> who doesn't, doesn't say thank you. Right. Um, wow. 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 Is it, and then eventually it was time to go to school. And it sounds like you went for business and marketing. Did you know what those things were at the time? No. So it took me a while to like choose school and go to school. So I'm old. Um, I've always looked like this, but I'm old. <laughs> yeah, you look pretty old too. That beard just adds years to you. That's why I'm wearing a hat. Uh, <laughs> so when I when I first started working, and school was never my favorite thing, right? Like I just I didn't like sitting in a lecture hall, um, writing notes, repeating stuff over and over again. It just wasn't what I was good at, and so it took me a while to get through school. I knew marketing could be an easy path. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go down the marketing path with no intention to be a marketer. Uh, I worked as a restaurant server for 10 years. So I figured, all right, I'll get a degree in marketing. I'll get a restaurant job. I'll become a restaurant manager. Yeah. That path. Uh, I quickly found out that restaurant is not for me and I'm, yes, I'm yeah, I was gonna, angry, like, but I'm too angry. <laughs> you chose the marketing path because it sounded easy. And yet here you were working three times as hard as in a restaurant i mean that's oh, yeah. that's work man serving and remembering orders and serving's hard pleasing every single customer's hard smiling that's probably the hardest <laughs> thing for me um i can imagine welcome to the macaroni grill <laughs> <laughs> yeah the macaroni grill once once they once they snapped at me i was like all right this is probably not going to be the <laughs> they snapped at you hey <laughs> server server right here like, oh, the customers snapped at you? The customers snapped oh, at me. Oh, snap. So my response to him was, I wrote my name on the table upside down. There it is <laughs> right there. <laughs> you call me Logan, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so I, I quickly realized that the serving restaurant industry was not for me. Mm. Just too short of a temper. Um, I didn't get to express my ideas the way that I wanted to either. Yeah. You're, you're a server. You're a cog in the wheel of this right. giant machine. Um, whereas the salesperson, I become a consultant. Right. So took the marketing career path uh, with the intention that I'll just get a job, knew that I had to have a college degree, which hopefully nowadays is way more less relevant because I don't think you need a college degree to do what 90% of us actually do. Yeah, agreed. It's good to help that education and can you learn, can you follow through with stuff. But if you have the drive and you have the determination to follow through with stuff, I feel like college degrees way less important. Yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can get by without massive debt, you know, just pick it up. Especially now in Salesforce, right? You just go, go to hit Trailhead, get right. certified. Suddenly, you're an architect. Right. It's yeah. Crazy. Exactly. So after the the restaurant life, I decided that I was going to try my hand in sales, and I went through a lot of jobs very quickly. I had, I had a year where I had nine W-2s. Um, wow, nine W-2s. <laughs> that was when I first found out about TurboTax, so it was a lot less embarrassing than if oh, I had to go Oh, thank goodness, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you worked a lot. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I couldn't find the, the right fit for me. I right. tried to sell gutter guards. Um, I lasted four days. 
I tried to sell insurance. I lasted four days. Like I now, just now lasted four days. They like they got rid of you, or you were like, "This is." Oh, crazy. I was. It was. It was it for me, right? And yeah. I, I've I've always been a person of if it's not a fit, cut ties. Don't drag it out. Don't try to Must make this quit. thing work for three yeah. years. Just go. Um, and I knew that selling door to door gutter guard was not going to be a career for me really after day one. But I was like, all right, maybe it gets better after day two. And it just didn't. It got worse and worse. So I'm like, nope, that's it. I'm done. Like, I got to find something that's a good fit for me. Did you so, ever do Cutco? Uh, no. Uh, Adam Dewey, who used to work here, he used to do Cutco. And when he worked with me, part of, that was part of his pitch. He's like, man, I had a hard sell. I had to go door to door selling Cutco knives. I'm like, what happens if they said no? You just took out a knife and stabbed that? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that's a hard close, man. Uh, but it's the same concept, right? But Cutco is a much more manageable purchase. Mm. When you're talking about insulation, new roofs, new gutters, yeah. you're charging $10,000 for new gutters. Pricey. And I mean, the people that we were going to their house, they're they at home at one o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't think they're going to afford $10,000 worth of gutters. Uh, Jeez. So, yeah. I mean, the, the message there is really find what you're good at. Yeah. If it's not a fit cut ties like no reason to drag it out right right so you went through all sorts of different w-2s to try to find your way and then it was yes. was part out where you landed or like was no veeam software you? veeam was where i landed, landed. Um, Got it. software sales and like the team was great because like i learned a lot very quickly our se team at veeam was amazing there's half of them are still there honestly because wow. they're that good um, but they were the salespeople, right? They explained the value. They highlighted the need for the client. So I took that and I listened to every single demo because I wanted to take that approach. Mm -hmm. And when people are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That helps me. That helps me. That was really what I wanted to get into. Uh, not selling door to door stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, wow. uh, from Veeam, I, I got a job, uh, at Pardot. So about six months. How'd that, how'd that go down? Yeah, so about six months before the Salesforce acquisition happened, um, part of it's headquartered here in Atlanta. So it was a pretty small team at the time, and they just started reaching out. Like, hey, we want, we want you to come in and interview. I interviewed. Um, I interviewed with uh, Phil and Derek Grant and uh, got interviewed, got an acceptance within the week, and it's been history ever since. They're like, let's go, man. Let's go. Let's sell some part out here. Yep. And then long, long the short, you part out, and then eventually we're working together. Yeah, I had I had one stint in between here and part out. I, yeah. I worked for a call tracking software, um, which really liked the really liked the platform, really liked the idea. I don't think a lot of U.S. B two B gets a lot of phone calls. Um, yeah, but it's great to be able to say where did we get our phone calls, right? Because if somebody calls me. It's a hell of a lot more valuable deal than if I've got to oh, chase you down 100%. by 50 emails. Yeah. Uh, so love the platform, love the idea. It, just, it, it struggled to take off here in the U.S., um, but it really gave me a good education, right? I took the, I took the Pardot information and marketing automation approach that I had from Pardot and Salesforce, um, and then I tied it in with you know, UTM parameters and benchmarking and Google Analytics, buying ad groups and Google AdWords. Uh, right. And now when I am here, like I have real thought provoking conversations just because I've educated myself enough on what our clients are doing that we can have that thoughtful conversation. Right. So wow. this, is, this has been my favorite job by far. I, I don't know if I've thanked you for the job. Hey. It's a little weird, but I mean, it, it, I enjoy it. I enjoy being here. 
I enjoy waking up and putting my hoodie on every day and coming to work. <laughs> Thank God there's no dress code, huh? Jeez. Exactly. I, I wouldn't be the one to institute one either. <laughs> man, man, what a cool story. You know, we, we're often telling marketers that it's, it's a benefit to get some sales experience. And I, and I get the sense that you're a sales leader that has had the marketing experience. You know, you've got a chance to try different things out, see what it's like without marketing, see part out in action, get a degree in marketing even to be able to know what some of the concepts are, have had those classes. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get a degree in marketing. So um, it kind of gives you that edge. So you, you can then have those conversations with marketers. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, a big shout out goes to, to Steven Russell. Uh, he was my GM at response Step and, it was, it was just so much help, right? He really made me think about this in a different mindset. It's not just email. It's mm. not just social posts, right? It's everything that the marketer is doing in the background that they need to be talking about. That's what they're being tracked against. That's their KPIs. Um, so a huge shout out to him. Just he's so helpful. Really got me the education that I needed to be way more powerful. Nice, nice. Yeah, definitely a shout out to him, man. That's awesome. You, you meet some wizards along the way that can kind of teach you things and share with you knowledge. And you're yeah. able to share with all of us today. That's fantastic. Well, and he said it in a British accent too. So oh. it's just even better. I, I believe everything British people say just because of the accent. Agreed, agreed. I mean, <laughs> it's completely honest. I don't know how this the Revolutionary War happened, you know? They're like, look, oh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah. you want to take cheers, cheers. We need to tax you all because we need to pay our bills. Oh, okay. All right. Well, if, sounds right. Sounds, sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. You said it with that accent. We need to increase your taxes. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I believe you. I mean, yeah, Maybe we're just too fresh. We 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 were just come from that accent that we were like. They all, yeah, they all have that game. accent already. We know right, your they game. Weren't, yeah. They weren't Americanized, right? But now it's like it's a magical accent. I don't think they think the same way about us. I'm not sure. No, I'll have to ask Lucy. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, thinking back on all the W twos and all the different places and times that you've tried things and explored if you were to get in a time machine hypothetical i have a time machine here in nashua and you go back in time to when your career first began maybe like you just graduated college what would you tell yourself knowing what you know having experienced what you've been through so i would probably go back before graduating college and talk to myself cool. in late high school early college and it's just get it done like and again, I hope it's not as big of a stickler now, the college degree, but just get it done. Get to what you're good at as quickly ah. as you possibly can. Um, get through all the mundane stuff, right? I feel like college is mundane. Come yeah. sit in a class every day, 12 hours a day, get your credits, get the education. The education, I don't use it in my day-to-day, -day, right? I, I don't talk about supply and demand. I don't talk about economics on a daily basis. Right. I, use the, I use the understanding of what I have, but I can get that from the news. Um, just get through it. Get to a place where you're comfortable, where you're benefiting yourself as quickly as possible. If I could be in my spot now 10 years before, because it took me that long to get through college, I'd be ahead, right? I'd be way ahead. Yeah. I wouldn't have wasted so much time. Yeah, I hear that. Um, and it's almost like you don't know what's important until you have been through it and you're like, oh, I was, I was thinking that that, that class and that grade I was going to get on that class was like going to be the end of my world or not, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I hear, I hear some competing ideas around that. Like 
a lot of people are saying, enjoy your young life. Enjoy it now, right? Don't focus on the job. Don't focus on, on what you're getting through. Uh, as a young person, focus on having fun, which I agree with. I enjoy focusing on having fun, but you don't have the, the finances to have fun, right? Sure. You're kind of shooting in the dark and you're living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, there were so many times where I was working as a server where it was the 30th and I didn't have rent. So I had Jeez. to go and I had to work a double shift or a triple shift and then find some else to, to find some money. It's nice to be able to have fun, but you, if you can get through that phase of your life, get to a stable position where you're at enjoying your job, then you are having fun. It is enjoyable. Right. Right. Um, and hopefully you're building enough security blanket for when you do hit 55, 65, 75, whatever the retirement age is going to be when we get there, that you can take off and enjoy those later years. Um, just, yeah, just and they always talk about the later years, you know, and, and it's like enjoy them now. You, by the time you're whatever seventy, are you going to be, you know, jumping off cliffs in Thailand and doing it's all? It's got to be that middle ground, right? Like yeah. it's got to be. I, I need to do the fun things that I can now, but I also have to have the money that I can do those right. fun things now. Right. And if I can be a seventy-five-year-old jumping off of a mountain, yay me! Um, I'll probably right. be sitting on a stoop somewhere in idaho <laughs> yeah yeah you think so <laughs> um, i'm gonna be an old person very quickly is what i'm fearing <laughs> <laughs> no like, no you guys go i'll be fine a day is gonna come you wake up and you're like yeah i'm good guys uh i'm gonna be sitting here in the resort yep. drinking drinking a old-fashioned <laughs> scooters no bikes <laughs> yep yep just moved down to key west or something and you know Grow the grow the hair long, the beard longer. Yep. Call it Gandalf, a day. Gandalf, I could pull off the Gandalf look. You could <laughs> you could pull off the Gandalf look. I think. You hear that wispy thing? And you're like you're like let me move this thing in here and around. Um, you open the door for your beard, let it come through first, and then you follow after it. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. You know, what are you doing? You're you're traveling outside of work. You mentioned travel a little bit. When you're not crushing your sales game. You like to get out. What kind of what kind of fun things do you like to do when you get a chance? Speaking of fun, yeah, uh, I like to bullshit. Uh, it, it's what I, does I that like mean, to talk. I like to talk to people, which is probably why my mom thought I was going to be in sales at a very early age, right? I like to talk to people. Yeah. I like to tell stories. Um, it, it's it's just kind of second nature to me at this point. Like the serving, the talking to people as a young kid, the sales job. I, I won't talk to you on the phone. So don't yeah. call me on the phone in personal life. Uh, I'll talk to you on the phone as a salesperson because that's what I do. But I want to be around people. I want to be sitting, having a conversation, having a drink with somebody. That's what I really like to do. I do like to travel. I like to meet new people. Um, I play basketball every Saturday. So that's something that I'm, I'm very adamant about. I don't know how good I am. I feel like I'm okay. But I just like to get out and play every Saturday. Yeah. I could play more than I will, but again, I'm getting old very quickly, so my knees go bad. Well, you got to get out there before those knees. Well, you know what? These days, you know, you get a new knee. Right. Just get a replaced. Some golf. <laughs> yeah, just get a new knee. Yeah. yeah. New, new body part. 3D print it in your home. You know, swap it in, swap it out. Yep. Um, what would be a place you'd want to visit you haven't been to? Wow, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Uh, and if you did know, what would you say? I, I like mountains and I like lakes. So yeah. my, my sister moved to Coeur Lane, which is Northern Idaho. Okay. And if you've never been, or if you're not familiar with it, look it up. It's 
ridiculous. It's so picturesque. Um, the mountains up against the lake, pine trees. That's my ideal type of place. Like I like to go to Seattle a lot. I like to go to Washington. Um, it'd probably be something along those lines. Uh, I'm planning to go to Banff uh, next year. Maybe ski Whistler. Like that, nice. That's that's what I want to do. I, I like being in that type of environment. Not so much a fan of the beach. I like the beach. I like looking at the beach. I don't like sitting on the beach. It's hot. It's sweaty. There's sand everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like I like the idea of the beach, but then when you actually get there, like uh, now you're just trying to hide from the sun and not burn. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and we're we're pasty pale people. We, yeah. we lobster very quick. We, we burn automatically. <laughs> it's like an automatic thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So getting up to the mountains and lakes and that kind of thing. It sounds like fun. Yeah. I only got Wi-Fi. I don't need Wi-Fi. Honestly, my ideal situation is where my phone does not work. Oh, I like Wi-Fi it. is out of it. Because I can sit and talk to you for hours, and I don't need to look at my phone. Yeah. The addiction is when you have Wi-Fi, you look at it just to see what else you're missing out on. Mm -hmm. When you don't have to worry about it, who cares? That would be kind, of a, down. It'd be kind of a, a value add, right, for a place like that where they're like, hey, and no Wi-Fi, and – can light sail reception like oh that's kind of novel in today's world yeah you go there have a landline when was the last time you saw a landline i Besides know right actually that my mom doesn't cool. even have a landline anymore i know my mind do it doesn't make any sense though the only people that call landlines are selling something it's crazy <laughs> yep. well this is awesome man where can people connect with you if they're like they want to get more of this this uh logan child's mantra you want to get yeah. out yeah, um, you can talk to me daily on CheshireImpact.com. So shout out to the sponsor. We, we do use Qualified. Nice. I'm sitting on Qualified. So if you want to have a chat, I'm there. Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn. You can reach me on email, Logan at CheshireImpact.com. I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is Logan-Childs23. Mm. Um, so I, I am available. I am always open to chat. You can also find me in the success communities for Salesforce. So I am on there answering questions. Uh, we really focus on the idea that it's a community. And if I can give you some, some low hanging fruit help, I definitely will. I like that. You mentioned you're, you're on the web, you're like on chat. So you're on qualified for on Cheshire impact and you're just, yeah. so if people want to talk to you like right now, they can literally go to the website and just chat you up. Absolutely. That's yeah. Cool. I am. I'm, I've got the app open right now. Uh, if you're not familiar with Qualified, definitely look into Qualified. It's, yeah. it's great for sourcing leads, right? It's not going out and doing your Google AdWords and your SEO type thing, but it's getting them to the front of the line. So if somebody really wants to chat with us right now, they'll push the call button. They'll push chat with somebody today yeah. and we'll have a conversation. Sweet, man. Well, this is cool. This has been really cool. Thanks for coming out here and just giving me all your knowledge and just chit-chatting for a bit. Hanging. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. What'd you call it? Bullshitting. bullshitting. Yeah, thanks for bullshitting with me, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem, man. That's what I'm So uh, for everyone else listening to our bullshitting today, if you learned something, and I know you did because I literally have two pages of notes front and back, then share this with someone. Be a thought leader to like one person. Logan was talking about thought leadership earlier. Be a thought leader to someone, another marketer, friend, family get this information into their hands forward them this episode tell them where to go listen and um yeah for sure hit up logan chat with him on all those platforms on cheshire impact trial qualified and uh this has been fantastic thanks again logan appreciate it man yeah thanks for having me thanks everybody all right for everyone else out there it's been the hardcore marketing show we will catch you all next time
All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com, the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to Qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one.